soaring like an archaic flying machine no. through the great cosmos. Don't do that. As he feature plays a full voyage to the Delta Quadrant. And I'll tell you right now, folks, we're going to get some work in tonight. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, my name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. Oh, boy. Uh, we watched a real shitty episode of Star Trek. <laughs> I watched two shitty episodes of Star Trek, because let me tell you a story. Okay. Uh, despite the fact we are cord cutters and I want nothing to do with TV, uh, I still have family out there. It's like, oh, we want, you know, we want to have something to flip through, whatever. So, uh one of my family members got YouTube TV, which we've dabbled with in the past. Once upon a time, it was like $35. Now it's up to 50 which I think is out of line. But whatever. We can reap the spoils of their purchase through the shared login, whatever. BBC America, man. Every time I'm anywhere near the TV, they are showing either Next Gen or Voyager. And uh, tonight, before we start recording, my wife turns that on. And I'm like, all right, well, go ahead and throw on Voyager if it's on. And sure enough, it's fucking prototype. Uh, <laughs> which you might know as sex gimp robot episode oh man I, okay so let me put you on the spot peter which one's worse concerning flight which we're about to review or prototype wow that's a hard question joe <laughs> yeah i know right oof oof i'm I mean, gonna say prototypes cool. worse but I have a specific reason why I'll say prototypes worse, and that is that John Reese Davies is not in prototype, and therefore it is it is worse. You know, we've bagged on prototypes so hard for so long that I almost feel like it has um, a beloved space in my heart for all the things <laughs> that we slam dunk it for. So it is it is bad in a like cheesy sixties sci fi movie way, you know, where it's like all of the bad things about it are. Uh, almost charming in their badness but you know it's also the the episode that cost jonathan frakes his godhood so i don't was oh yeah it was yeah yeah again and i'll have to go back and listen to our uh our episode for it but like the story itself wasn't bad just everything comes back to how terrible those fucking androids looked yeah when your android looks like a discount sex bot, you're in trouble. It's miserable. Sp- speaking of trouble, I want to call out one of our fans. And I want to do this because I feel judged and probably appropriately so. Uh, we've mentioned Darius before on the podcast. He's a frequent contributor to our Feature Please Trauma Support Group, a online community of fans of this program that all are welcome to join. And he's our spicy meme lord. And uh, he he uh, he had some commentary about our episodes regarding the year of hell. And he said, and I quote, you guys have some nerve complaining about it being a bottle episode and that none of it matters. You guys just did a one off two parter where you watched it together and recorded live Next week, we're back to the old format. Nothing has changed. Nobody has boner-ruining eye contact, etc. Are we a bottle episode, Peter? Do we not have character growth? I think we do. We have strong callbacks to our own. We're very self-referential, not only in our own episodes, but uh, but Voyager's own history to a fault. Like, sometimes when I go through and listen to our back episodes, I'm like, we don't really flesh out a lot. There's a lot of in-jokes, and I don't look at them as in-jokes because... Their Voyager jokes, but I mean, if you don't know what a discount sex robot is, or now solid I'm, suitor, like come on, man, we suck suitors D a lot, and yeah, God forbid <laughs> you didn't catch uh, uh, meld or basics, you are going to be SOL uh, on a lot of jokes that we make, space pipes and and whatnot. Okay, listen. So the lesson here is that uh, Darius, you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, most importantly we have lots of character growth here and to get back in our good graces we'll expect a spicy meme so work on that uh just kidding you're awesome it's not actually a demand no it's been a good time on the the support group though a couple well what i love is when i see these people coming in like minority of the people that join 
are Americans. We got dudes from all over the places. And again, when you've got like BBC just running back to back Trek, specifically Voyager, like it is out there and there are people watching it. And I'm happy that they are somehow finding their way into this moldy little corner of the Internet to hear us run our mouth. Yeah, it gets every time it gets bigger and there's more contributors and puts a smile on our face. Speaking of the future police trauma support group, I think it'll still be up when this episode comes out. In fact, I'll make a point to make sure it is. But I've put up a poll because we're going to do a special episode uh, down the line. So the the format and who's going to be involved with it is TBD. Uh, but because we haven't had any content special content for our patreon uh for our patreon we 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 put up like uh uh, any skits we do early or any cut segments we didn't have any of those last month i'm like well you know what let's produce something that'll go to the patrons first as a thank you to them for pitching in to to cover all the expenses for the podcast and then eventually we'll we'll release it out to everybody after that Uh, but i decided to let everybody have a crack at the category of thing that we'll review for the special episode and uh, there's some you know, some things you'd expect on this poll, like, you know, uh, a one of the OG Trek movies, uh, TNG Trek movie, um, one of, you know, the bad robot Trek movies. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we've had some uh, extremely spicy additions. For example, you added that, quote, that really good TNG porn parody. Dude, I'm hoping that one wins. I still haven't, like, actually watched it, but I've always wanted to watch it, and I haven't. You want to talk... You want to talk about awkward boner breaking moments? Sitting and watching a porno with you is definitely uh, going to cross some new barriers. The thing about me. that one, though, is that it was so well received that there are safe for work versions of it floating around where they've cut all the porn out, and people still say it's like a really good episode of TNG. And just go through and read the IMDb. Maybe we should do that either at the end of this episode, or maybe I'll throw the IMDb entry up on the Facebook group. It's legit. I hope it wins. <laughs> you know, not to be impartial, we... <laughs> but <laughs> there's also the Neelix cookbook item review because my wife bought that thing. And I think one of uh, Spencer, one of our fans on the group also has it. I saw on Twitter that that she also has it. So uh, there's a, there, there. It's basically those two and the bad robot Trek movies are all basically neck and neck right now for which one's going to win. So I'll tell you what. I love the bad robot films and I really want to see TNG porn and your wife's a great cook. So if we go with the filthy space cat food, at least I know it's going to be prepared very well. I don't think we're going to lose there. There's this <laughs> is a win, winners. win, win situation. It's only winners. That's good mm-hmm. That's for good. me. <laughs> uh, speaking of situations where we won. Nah, I can't do it. Bro. I was going to say, we this speaking <laughs> of things that bring a smile to your face, not this goddamn episode. Uh, season four, episode 11, concerning flight. Joe, it's very rare that I, not very rare, it is extremely rare. There is one time that I can tell you that I've gone into the memory alpha when I do my homework for an episode. And there are production team members openly saying, I did not like this, or uh, to quote, Joe Manowski or whatever his name is who, who fucking was, wrote it who wrote it let me let me get this quote out here uh I had this is when the collaborative process collapses I had massive disagreements every step of the way with how this story should go and I lost the argument every step of the way I've never seen such negativity on a memory alpha article Uh, let alone from the writer of an episode, and boy, is it well-deserved. This is the only the second episode that I had to turn off and come back to later. Out of all of the episodes of Orgy we watched, all but Elogium, I managed to get through in one sitting. Elogium was an all-time worse like that felt like it took me two fucking hours to watch 45 minutes of TV. I did the dishes, and I... yeah. And I did laundry instead of watch a logium. Yeah, same. Actually, exact same. This is why we do this show. It was the exact same. I turn it off. I go to the dishes. I'd watch another 10 minutes and be like, ah, oh, fuck. Man, it's been a while laundry. since I clipped my toenails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, I, we, Stevie and I started watching. 
we got, I want to say like 12 minutes in, I paused it. And Stevie's like, I can't watch another second of this. You're on your own. And then just left, just, just walked away. Just like, just went upstairs. Like, nope. I'm, she's noped out, took the dog. It's like, we're out of here. Like, if you're going to watch this re- absolutely ridiculous, uh, Leonardo da Vinci fucking cartoon character fan fiction shit, you're doing it by yourself. And then I looked at the TV screen alone without even my dog around for comfort. <laughs> and I was like, nah, you know what? I could watch. I, I'm going to do this. I can't. I'm just going to, I'm going to turn this off. Like, and then later on thinking it was when we thought we were going to record. I was like, okay, time to time me time for me to, to man up and finish this thing. And I did it while like drinking my coffee in the morning or the maximum focus. My daughter is two years and four months old and she really likes this guy on YouTube called Blippy and anybody else with a small child is probably unfortunately aware of Blippy. Uh, my notes, she loves, like if I sit there and try and color with her, she does not give a shit. But as soon as my Voyager episode captain's log comes out you know my, my notebook with all my show notes in it she is all about writing and wants to play with the pen and very interested in 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 this notebook uh and normally i kind of like shoo her away because these are my podcast notes so important Ooh, but this episode specifically i have blippi just written dozens of times over the page because i just sat there and let her play and <laughs> And it's probably the most meaningful thing on any of these uh, on this entire page because everything else is just crap. We start off uh, seeing that despite the fact we just did super excellent year of hell and all of what I assume to be a very high visual effects budget on that. Somehow the showrunners scratched up that that JRD money and brought the big guns out. We're not just using the Leonardo da Vinci set. No, we're going maximum renaissance the best part of the episode is john reese davies um he shows up as the actual da vinci hologram here for the second time i guess it was the premiere that he showed up in before and well not the premiere it was a season finale fucking forget this episode just dulled my entire fucking mind i just had to rewatch it okay so i guess i i should point this out just so you can guys understand who's watching not only was this one of the worst episodes of the show we've watched to date i had to watch it fucking twice because we were supposed to review this a week ago and then i had to cancel and then we were supposed to we're supposed to uh review it on sunday instead and then and then uh Peter had to cancel, so here we are a week later, and I've I've watched this turgid piece of shit again for a second time just so I could remember it, and I I tried to like do something else while having it on the background just to like give myself a little little sprinkle of poop on my tongue just to remember what the fucking taste of it was, and I'm just I just cannot believe this thing got made. John Reese Davies tries his fucking best, I will give him that. Like he goes all in on trying to be this cartoon character, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, uh, he is enthusiastic. He, he, he does. He's got that charm as an actor. He's like one of the most charming guys in on screen ever. You know, he just exudes charisma, you know, that somewhat foreign charisma that he has. I have no idea where John Reese Davies is actually from. He's probably just British or whatever, but he seems like he's f- from any number of places, you know, since he, he, you know, he, he played Sala in Indiana Jones movies. So it's like, I don't know if he's middle Eastern. I don't know if he's a dwarf. I, I don't know. You know, he's, he can do anything. And, he just uh, slides between worlds. He does. He's this, He's he's that guy that's just indeterminate uh, background charisma man, and so he's perfect for being cartoon character Leonardo da Vinci, because he's you know he just speaks in random Italian every once in a while, gesticulates and says things with a lot of a lot of conviction, and it works uh, for what he's trying to do. Uh, it's just it does not belong in an episode of Star Trek at all. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Like, what, and it's like, where the fuck are you? What fucking show were you supposed to be on? Wasn't supposed to be this one. It's uh, 
like you keep coming back to it's a cartoon character. I would say the first time they brought him back for Scorpion, he was a a serious contemplator and a source of inspiration. Bad inspiration, I would say, for Janeway before she decides she's going to go make a deal with uh, the fucking Borg. But this episode, it's a very different presentation where he's much more silly and and active and out and about. Um, the episode starts. They're coming back into his studio. Both of them are sopping wet, and we find out that they've attempted to take the flying machine, which I believe we kind of hinted at back in The Raven, which was the crappy seven of nine background story episode. And we find out that the thing has crashed and that they ended up in the river and the villagers are all laughing at them. And he is screaming profanities out the window and some other boring stuff. And then all of a sudden the whole ship rocks and he's like, Whoa, what's going on? We got an earthquake. And Janeway's like, Oh no, we must be getting attacked again. The red alert situation on the show is mind boggling. As soon as like something hits the ship, I was under the impression, and we've we've harped on this before, that like everywhere red alert should go off and everybody should know it's battle stations. I would think that the holodeck would just turn off and and maybe, I don't know, the ship would transport the captain to the bridge or whatever. But it's not until I think she calls to the bridge herself. And it's like, hey, what's going on? They're like, oh, we're being attacked. That uh, she wraps things up and heads up there. And we find out that Voyager has come under uh, attack by a trio of ships and that Paris is waiting for the captain's authorization before he starts initiating any sort of attempts at uh, evasive maneuvers. And this is an interesting cluster of what we'll come to find out are space pirates, which is cool. And that's that's what hurts about this episode. I think that there is a lot of similarities between this episode and fair trade, as far as this is the slimy side of the Delta Quadrant and here is alien markets. And there's all these parallels, but in the case of fair trade, where Voyager hits every one of these stepping stones with a great stride, they just blunder and fall on their face over and over again. So pirates are attacking, but the the shtick with these guys is even though Voyager has its shields up, they're hitting them with these green scan beams and uh, transporting precious materials right out of Voyager. And essentially, uh, the ship is getting mugged in real time. And, and as you just alluded to, the idea of the CD Delta Quadrant having basically space muggers uh, is a neat idea. Uh, I think we alluded to an idea like this would have been really appropriate for them to run into as they got closer and closer to Borg space. And, you know, maybe like races got more desperate to like hang on right next to a genocidal ever expanding cybernetic enemy. Uh, But regardless of wherever in the lawlessness of the Delta Quadrant, you want to put this sort of thing. it, It feels right. Like that idea seems right. Like some guy has some piece of tech and he's using it to make himself rich. Seems about right. You know, that's something that should be happening. Uh, and that it's like basically as long as that guy is not too Ferengi using tech to make themselves rich, because then that is a terrible episode. <laughs> well, it only becomes a terrible episode when said Ferengi, while unarmed, managed to beat up two armed security guards and then make their way to their shuttlecraft and get said shuttlecraft off of Voyager, despite any, if any, all, if any of Tuvok's uh, security protocols, but fair trade, uh, I'm sorry, false prophets. And again, you know, I, I think false prophets really wouldn't even, you take out the sword fighting and everything else, all the bad that was there. I think it all could have been forgiven had it not been for that, decision by Janeway to like try and chase those guys down instead of going through the wormhole that was the biggest dumbest team tease of all time but back to this episode like there's a lot of cool stuff that happens after they get out of the the holodeck and it took me it took me about 10 maybe 15 minutes of this episode pretty much until they get down on the the surface and encounter who they encounter where I'm really like, man, this might be, again, another fair trade episode where they are forced to barter and deal with a seedy criminal element and go on a cool planet side adventure. 
If only. <laughs> if only. So the the space muggers uh, essentially just have this broadband ability to detect if something's technologically sophisticated. And so they take everything uh, that they can that they detect is the most sophisticated stuff on the ship, including like computers that regulate the warp drive, bio bed, the doctor's mobile emitter, and most importantly, the main computer core. And a bunch Voyager. of food. Just, and a bunch of food, which I guess they just felt like they needed a fucking comedy line in there. So they track down where the space muggers came from after we have a scene between seven of nine and uh, Ensign Kim that has absolutely no purpose being in this episode whatsoever and whatsoever seemed to be there just so that they could pay Garrett Wang, you know, like it goes back to what you've been talking about is like Garrett Wang clearly did not belong in this, in the season. Cause they're like, uh, we gotta have some, him do something. Everybody else had something to do in this episode. Let's throw him in another fucking awkward scene with, Jerry Ryan's ass just hanging out right there in the middle of the frame. Super you know, duper close talking. If you thought Janeway was a close talker, just wait until you get any scene anymore between Kim and Seven of Nine. And there is like six, maybe five inches between them. Um, I don't know. It's something to do with trying to recalibrate the sensors in the astrometrics lab to locate the the stolen tech. Uh, I it was a pretty interesting haul that these space pirates end up stealing from Voyager. Uh, you know, the doctor's mobile emitter, specifically that, what, 27th century hypertech? Was that what it was? 28th century? Uh, 20, 29th, I think. That's a... Talk about... <laughs> if these pirates are like dudes opening up booster packs and magics, like, that was like a foil oh, yeah. card. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a foil mythic right there, buddy. You hit the you hit the big time, and yeah, the the ship's main computer core, which you know, I like computers. I build computers. I work in the computer industry. I I, I don't know why it just doesn't sit well at all with me that they would have a a central processing unit that, for starters, is such a boring, ugly ass prop. It's like three spires pushed together with a little bit of lights on it. Um, but the fact the ship doesn't just completely fall apart once that thing's been torn out, I thought was pretty impressive. But it leaves Voyager heavily crippled and they have to start using these auxiliary systems to try to compensate for the huge deficiency that they've been left behind with. And, yeah, that's that's the point of the seven to nine and Harry Kim scene other than, you know, give Garrett Wang something to do this season. And I, did I complain last episode about just how? Harry Kim just sticks out like a boring sore thumb anymore. Yeah, I just mentioned that he doesn't belong in the in the season at all. That it's definitely something that you have correctly mentioned in the past, and he just doesn't seem seem to have a place here at all. So that's why he, when we see him, it's like, ugh, could you just not be here? Weren't you supposed <laughs> to die of alien snot? This is terrible. Um. But they use it takes them a couple of days. I think it says it takes them like five days to locate where the tech has gone off to and uh, to limp their way over to this planet. And again, I'm still kind of, you know, like maybe this is going to be a great episode because as they come up on it, they find that there's dozens and dozens of different types and species uh, of ships in orbit around this, that there's metropolitan areas all over the planet and just this huge melting pot of uh, different races uh, on what we will find out is a very large trading planet. Um, there is a head scratching decision that they're going to send down an away team mission to try to locate these parts and that the Janeway is going to lead the charge on this and leave Chakotay to, to watch a ship and Chakotay doesn't even put up that token effort to be like, you know, listen, captain Starfleet protocol, blah, blah, blah. You belong with the ship. You just, okay, I'll be up here. You help yourself. <laughs> uh, when they get down to the surface um, of this planet that they've traced the muggers to is when we really start to hit the skids on our adventure here. And that is because they they wrote the big John Rhys-Davies uh, check this time. And they decided to maximize their use of the entire John Rhys-Davies like all of the Buffalo and uh, 
Tuvok and Janeway are greeted by, in fact, the Da Vinci hologram, who is currently has the mobile emitter on him. And if you're wondering, is this going to be an episode where Janeway goes on wacky adventures with a cartoonish Leonardo da Vinci hologram played by Gimli? The answer is yes. Sure. This is uh, this is ridiculous, but go ahead. You had something about to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. What if you ready to play some what if with me? I'm ready to play some what if. I'm ready to do anything but talk about this fucking episode. I'm ready to watch some TNG porn with you, Peter. I am there. I am ready spiritually. But go ahead. What if seems a lot less awkward and and uh, you know less boners are involved, particularly on your part. Go ahead. This is what this episode did. It it pinned me down in a chair and it uh-huh. it jammed its index and its thumb fingers in my eyes and forced my eyes wide open so I couldn't <laughs> shut them. Right. Right. Okay. It All right. Just so it's clockwork oranging you. Okay. Spitting both of my eyes warm phlegmy spit and it it opened my eyes and it showed me an ugly truth because what this just showed me is not only did that hollow emitter allow the doctor to go out on little adventures around the rest of the ship and uh and planet side and what else but it lets any hologram out of the holodeck to wander about freely what hologram did we just recently encounter in an excellent episode that was our our emergency escape hatch from a terrible, terrible Jerry Taylor decision? I'll give you a hint. It was in worst case scenario. The queen of fucking burns, Joe Seska. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the Seska hologram. Yeah. Seska, you, you've just shown me that there is, in fact, a way to resurrect dead characters in Star Trek. And yes, the holodeck uh, episode where she had that built in backdoor, like the character's still out there. And then I, I feel now like I'm I'm a nerd and I lost my favorite D&D character and I'm trying to find ways to shoehorn it back into the campaign. But that's that's exactly what I'm doing. You took the best fucking villain that may have been in any Star Trek franchise ever, and certainly the best female villain I think we've seen maybe in almost all of sci-fi. Uh, a, a, the true bright point of this entire series, and you've shown me through this bumbling idiot episode that you could have had uh, any holodeck character you wanted get resurrected, get get pulled out um, in this episode and have gone about their way. This could have been Seska back out into the wild as just, a rogue AI hologram with this 29th century hypertech back out in the Delta Quadrant. And it could have been like, God, you know, we really fucked up when we let her kill her and make sure that we paraded her corpse around in front of you. You built the escape hatch. You, she's out there. She's a hologram. And yeah, you know, they deleted her or whatever. But how hard is it to, to bring that back? Like what squandered potential. And instead, the story we decide to tell here is a fucking Renaissance artist uh mucking around trade ship planet trying to do a, a Ocean's 11 bank heist. There are a lot of good stories to tell using the holodeck and holodeck characters. The doctor great example. Mm-hmm. You see him used effectively a lot. Uh the Moriarty episodes I contend were excellent in TNG as were uh, the episodes when they were um, dealing with uh, Jordy's fake girlfriend, Dr. Brahms. Dr. Leah Brahms, yeah. Uh, so it, it's not that this idea is bad all by itself, but holy shit, Voyager does a terrible job of translating it. Like, this isn't even as bad as it gets gets worse than this and that's my like grim like prophetic statement to you consider consider uh how how bad it felt to have that warm spit in your eye and then internalize this deep wisdom that this is 
not nearly the worst episode involving the holodeck that Voyager is eventually going to make you watch. Right. But but my point here is that this could have been an excellent opportunity to resurrect. Right. This could have been Martha Hackett and we could have been like, oh, let's uh, let's resurrect the the evil Seska hologram and put it to work for, you know, to our end. And it could have been a whole story about like using her ingenuity to like re-steal the computer core because she's a fucking shifty you know, obsidian agent, uh, obsidian order agent. And, you know, they got to deal with the ethics of, you know, asking essentially Seska for help, even if it is a holographic version of Seska and all this. Like, I know exactly the trajectory that you were going on with that mentally when you started describing it. And I like it. And instead, uh, it is basically used as an episode to justify Janeway having a LARPing adventure. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene that is emblematic, I think, of how stupid all of this is, because it is the show itself buckling under the strain of that stupidity. And that's like halfway through their adventures on the surface when Tuvok's like, OK, cool. Uh, are, can we be done dealing with this uh, whole situation with the uh, holographic sock puppet and we can deal with this using our actual super science up on our ship and everything like that. And Janeway's like, no, I want to, I want to keep LARPing with, with Da Vinci all by myself with no security support on a hostile planet filled with technology that's been stolen uh, because it's fun for me. And I want you, my security chief to go fuck off. And then two of us kind of like sits there and there's this long beat where he's like, mm. <laughs> What the actual fuck are you like? And just goes, all right, one to beam up. Fuck off, lady, I guess. Bye. I'll go, I'm going to go back. Poochie's going to go back to his home planet. Like, and it's like in that moment that there was this like time space eddy and reality buckled. And for a moment, almost you felt like Tim Ross was going to like turn the camera like Jim Halpert in the office. Be like, this is the shit I got to deal with. this is this is what they wrote this is what they wrote for this episode guys can you believe it i can't believe it (laughs) this is dumb i'm just gonna get the fuck out of this episode now bye this bye guys this could have been a permanent resurrection of seska but instead we're doing this so uh they beam down to the marketplace which is a much better marketplace than the skeevian marketplace or the what's the last time we saw the skeevian marketplace it was a couple episodes ago what was it uh the sweat the sweaty dudes <laughs> in the back alley oh, yeah. yes <laughs> the grinder episode um the grinder episode yeah uh, they get down, they start asking around, and that's, yeah, when they get ambushed by Leonardo da Vinci, and Jane was like, oh, goody, what is this? This is wonderful, and yeah, Tuvok's like, what the fuck? And what we find out is that the alien pirates who had uh, mugged Voyager had been playing around with the technology. They went into the computer core, they somehow found his program instead of Seska's, and put him into the holographic, uh, mobile emitter and the guy's like oh hey aren't you delightful why don't you start building me technology and here's all of this shit and also i want you to go out to the sketchy marketplace and you're going to do your own shopping and that's just where janeway happens to meet him uh he says he's going to arrange a meeting he takes him back to his workshop he has fabricated phasers and we've talked before heavily heavily about the amount of technology that Voyager leaves in its wake. And the show knows it does it to the point where, uh, what was the dinosaur episode? Uh, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. It's the one where they actually find all of the evidence of their passing as they're trying to track. Them yeah. Down. Starting with, uh, Hogan. And then they're like, here's Hogan's uniform and here's all these communicators and tricorders and all this other wonderful Federation super tech, uh, which, by the end of this, I mean, there's like dozens of rifles and phasers and tricorders and everything else that gets left behind here. Um, there's even a, a scene, you know, once Janeway and Tuvok went to one continent, I believe Paris and Neelix went to the other. And they end up bringing some dude who's like wearing red command uniform. 
and he's got a tricorder and like the super type nine compression rifle that Janeway only gets to use during prison breaks. Chakotay's like, yeah, where'd you get this shit from? And he's like, oh, this dude whose name was what? Talk? Tau? Tau. His name is Tau. That is correct. And Chakotay, by the end of it's like, yeah, I'm not going to trade you these warp coils we were talking about, but feel free to keep our fucking crazy super weapons that you. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fine for you to have a phaser rifle. Hopefully that's some shit you already kind of had or something. Otherwise, I just fucked with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually, we get around to seeing Tau at a party and and Leonardo da Vinci's referring to this guy as the local what prince, I think. Yes. So the big ha ha conceit, of course, is that uh, first of all, apparently Da Vinci interprets all of this as being America, even though America didn't exist during Da Vinci's lifetime, except like the idea of Columbus having found the 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 Caribbean, I guess, had occurred. Maybe I think St. Augustine had been colonized at that point by the Spanish, but essentially no one from Europe was in uh, what you would now call America. So that's one anachronism. And second, he interprets everything else as through a 16th century lens. So he refers to the leader as the prince that is his patron and it is so on and so forth. So fatiguing to even try to like describe this episode, trying to blow up the balloon that is this plot i i feel my life escaping as as we sit there and talk about this and what's funny is uh the writer while he shits all over this episode the one thing he is proud of he's like you know i really know a lot about leonardo da vinci uh for my own personal study so i really thought i did a great job you know deciding how he would act in this what if scenario and, and gave himself like this big pat on the back for that and it, listening to you try and just describe this cockamamie shit <laughs> just it's so defeating it it is exhausting but at the same time as you are noting i admire john reese davies commitment to sparkle motion like he so often these actors struggle with this nonsense techno babble they're handed and he found a way to just do this ridiculous shit in a way that was filled with such conviction that it's it's super worked for like his enthusiasm and ability to portray the character. If I was John Reese Davies and someone handed me this script, I would look at it and then I would look at them and like, did I fuck your wife at a party or something? Like, are you pissed at me? <laughs> You're going to hand me this fucking script. Did I hit your dog when I was coming home from work? And it was was that your dog that ran out in front of my car? Like what? What have I done to you that you are going to make me say these things and act the stupid in front of a TV show that is going to be shown all over the world? And I guess he got a parking ticket or something. I don't know else why it would take this. Did job. he get blackmailed? And they're like, if you don't sell this thing 300 percent, we are going to show everybody this terrible video of whatever we caught you doing. Uh, and, and 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 ultimately, though, I got to Like, I don't want to talk about the episode because it's fucking bad, but. Uh, I will say that it, it it stays outside the toxic zone entirely because of him, because he's not good, but he's just like so ridiculous and so uh, enthusiastic in the role that you're like, oh, John, <laughs> like you tried, man. You really you gave it your all, buddy. Good. Good job. So we're at the we're at the quote unquote princess party and we finally get to see the pirate king who has uh, jacked Voyager. And uh, I don't know, Joe, if you ever watched the Powerpuff Girls growing up. I'll take that as a no. I missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. The lead alien guy in this uh, looks just like Ace from the Gang Green Gang on Powerpuff Girls. And I'll, I'll throw some pictures up on the trauma support group. But once you see it, there's there's no unseeing it. And that's was my delight in this entire episode was that it's a Powerpuff Curls character come to life to to harass Voyager. So Janeway makes contact with this guy and she's playing dumb like she's there from some country bumpkin colony and they need a new computer core to coordinate whatever. 
And he's like, oh, well, I think I have something you'd be interested in. And he gives her a little taste of a demo from their voice activated computer. And it's it's a Star Trek. You know, it's it's the Voyager computer voice. It's Majel Barrett. And uh, she's like, oh, yes, this sounds excellent. We'll meet up. I got to, you know, go get my money together or whatever. She tries to uh, apply like there's a hint of her. Hello, I am Catherine Janeway and I'm totally going to sexify you out of this piece of my technology like shades of resistance moment and then that's just she just kind of gives up on trying to like talk her way into the computer and it's just all right let's steal it there's a good scene between the doctor and seven um she's coming in for some maintenance he scolds her about how he told her she's supposed to have weekly maintenance and she's been you know not sticking to that, which I think is interesting that there's pre-agreed like maintenance routines that this drone is not interested in obeying. Uh, and the doctor is going stir crazy because now he doesn't have the mobile emitter, which it's very cl- clear he's become extremely accustomed to having. And he's back to his old limitations, right? He can only be on the, uh, you know, sick bay and, um, you know, the holodeck or whatever, which again, it seems like Voyager's putting their eggs in one basket. Like maybe you should have continued putting these hollow emitters out because again, you've got one doctor on the fucking ship and God forbid this uh, fickle piece of hypertech gets stolen, broken, lost, whatever. You only have the doctor. Uh, And he wants to know all the gossip going on in the ship. And I thought, you know, this is one of me reading between the lines. Like he doesn't have Kess anymore. And it used to be the Kess and the Doctor show. And now he, on one hand, has the ability to freely roam the halls and, and really become a part of the crew. But now that he's been regulated back to just sickbay and he doesn't have the one person on the ship that really cared about him, like what what a miserable eye opener. Yeah, I I wish there was some acknowledgement of the latter part of what you said of like Kess's absence is leaving him feeling lonely. Unfortunately, as we noted, I think a couple of weeks ago, that they are very light on acknowledging Kess was ever part of the show at all, let alone the often emotional bul- bulwark she was for multiple characters, the Doctor specifically, someone whose sentience she defended uh, and existence, essentially, she defended. Let's talk about Kess because it's better than this episode. Okay, yeah, sure. Kess went away in The Gift, which was what, season four, episode two, I believe? Correct. We're in episode 11. So ever since episode three, four, there's been one mention of Kess this entire episode or season. And that is Neelix saying that, you know, I'm a little rusty on my game. This is back on. uh, Yeah, the the last episode. Uh, Yes. The the grinder episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that also includes the year of hell, which was specifically about an alien race, which Kess detailed in great detail in a report at Tuvok's request. So. Um, yeah, it's it is really astounding that there is this complete moratorium on anything Kess related. And I'm amazed because, you know, you've talked about it before that there will be another Kess episode where she returns, uh, as I understand it, a little space crazy. Uh, but given how gun shy they are about saying the three letters K.E.S. as a word that they would bring her back, uh, really astounding. But. Uh, the doctor's very lonely, and uh, he pumps seven and nine for some information. Apparently, she got into, uh, I don't know, some sort of fist fight or something with Bellana, which I think would have been a much better scene to work into this goddamn episode than the majority of what we actually get plagued by. Uh, but it sounds like they get over whatever their differences are, and life goes on. I have nothing else I want to say about this episode. I've got a couple things, so if I can just... <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, I take it back. There is one thing I want to talk about. Okay. Um, Janeway continues her LARPing adventures with with Da Vinci to try and find where the computer is. And ultimately, it brings them to some lovely location shots at some rusted out factory. Think access chemical seen... from Batman 89. Yeah, it's like the same like L.A. area shit that they've filmed, you know, Season stuff one. at for the last 30 years you know, for Paramount in general. And and then eventually uh, they they find it and there's all of this stupid-ass dialogue where Janeway's LARPing with the Da Vinci hologram trying to convince it to do things. 
by contextualizing the events around in 15th century logic and then eventually just like straight up saying there's shit you don't understand and you just have to accept that. It's a waste of fucking time and I hate it. But the stupidest part of the episode is the goddamn glider. Boy, are they proud of it. Um, I don't know if what you had to add comes before the glider part, but that's where I'm going to grandstand. So if you got some shit to say, Peter, you should say it now. Okay, so uh, at a certain point, the jig is up because Janeway is openly. This is this is. Let's jump back to uh, Tuvok getting pissed off that Janeway's fucking around with this shit instead of getting real, right? The ship's in a real right, bad right, place, yeah. right? You've lost pretty much everything important short of the warp core, which you lost several episodes prior. So uh, they're really not learning their lesson about how to keep the important stuff in the ship. Uh, she's bantering with Da Vinci right when... Uh, we're going to call him Ace from the Gang Green Gang walks in is like, ah, so it's Captain, you know, and he's like, ah, oh, the jig is up. I know what you're up to. And he's got her at gunpoint. At which point. Uh, da Vinci comes up behind him and like blasts him over the head with a fire extinguisher. So here's some head cannon to think about, like. If you're not on the holodeck, does that mean the holograms don't have any sort of safety limitations whatsoever? I mean, he almost just basically killed this guy. <laughs> Jane was like, oh, he's fine. But it's like, I, I don't know, man. He just got hit in the head. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, you just clubbed the guy over the head with a giant like piece of metal. And literally she like dips down, touches him and goes, oh, he's fine. I don't know what this alien <laughs> is. I mean, for all I know, his head could yeah. actually be his butt. And like all the important stuff could be somewhere else. Like, I, I don't know, but he's all right to the point where he's knocked out. No, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's knocked he's out totally for fine. the next 10 minutes where... Janeway's like, all right, let's go steal all our shit and get back. And then the uh, Da Vinci's like, no, I'm staying here because this is so wonderful. At any moment, she could have reached onto his chest and hit his pause button, which is exactly what Tuvok did before. And like freeze him or turn him off and put the uh, emitter back in her pocket. And instead, while the criminal crime boss is laying knocked out and probably slowly dying on the floor, she has like this big 10 minute debate with him like no you need to come back to venice and it's so important and this plays right into your like her her larping fantasy like the computer core that you need and all of this other important stuff your guns are being used right now to probably kill people and instead you're arguing with a fucking hologram that you could have just hit pause and put away ridiculous that's that's really puts this whole episode into scope and then there's the crime boss laying knock the fuck out on the floor like she could have just beamed his ass up to the, the ship and put him in the brig so he wouldn't hunt her down and tell all his boys what's up. But no, she leaves these loose ends laying all over the place, which will later translate into 30 armed guards closing in on her location as they stumble around Axis Chemical. 30 armed guards, I recall only ever seeing two at a time. Yeah, well, they said 30, <laughs> including him. He's so, one of the two at any given moment. So they go through this whole stupid thing. They... They beam out some of the stuff and this and that and site to site transporter. It's dumb. And they end up running up a hill. Cue your rant. So they're running. Okay. So the Da Vinci program is like, hey, follow me. I know the way out. After the entire rest of this episode has been the Da Vinci program being nearly useless, mind you. And uh, Jane was like, sure. Makes sense. I'm gonna follow you, computer software that is well out of its depth at this time that I've decided to risk my life to LARP with. Really glad you're here instead of my security chief. That was a great choice. And his big escape thing is like, hey, I rebuilt my glider. We should take this to glide to safety. All right. This is his plan, of course, because he's the Da Vinci program. Okay. First and foremost, if you're Catherine Janeway and you know you're just basically waiting to get beamed out, right? Yeah. The answer the answer to this is no. Let's not do that. Let's just keep running. All I have to do is run the clock out and eventually my ship is going to get close enough to beam me out or I'm just going to fucking die one of the two. We can right? hide behind a tree and have cover. 
I have a gun, so I can just shoot them with my space gun that I've lifted off of. I have a hologram that has no safety programs. And as we learned in futures past, I could give the gun to the hologram and they can shoot him and it'll just whiz through him and he could tag them. Yeah, as 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 we've learned five minutes ago, unless the uh, the phaser shot hits exactly the mobile emitter. Uh, he's invulnerable. Mm-hmm. So he obviously knows how to fire an energy weapon. He did so earlier in the episode. Sure. So fuck it. Be like, hey, Leo, just uh, fucking ace these guys. Hey. Let me uh, let me touch your beep boop and program you into being my murder bot. And then just go around and just blow these guys' fucking heads off. And then eventually we'll get beamed out of here. And then I'll put you back in your goddamn hard drive. And we'll never talk about this ever again. Hey, Leo, we know you don't have safety protocols. Why don't you go like uh, that dude from Disgust or whatever, Revulsion, and just squeeze these guys' hearts a little bit? No. What do they do? What they do is that not 30 dudes, but two dudes are slowly trucking their way up the mountain. And so Janeway and Leo have to make a escape on the rickety Renaissance era theoretical flying machine that's now built of space parts, thankfully. Duranium. So it might work, right? Yeah. Ooh, duranium. So uh, Janeway gets on this thing and is like, huh, maybe we should do this. And then the two guys... Remember, there's just two guys who have ever on screen. They say 30 people are closing in. There's never any suggestion there's actually 30 people on screen. It's just two guys on a hill in Southern California that are like behind a tree. One of which shooting a space is the gun. main bad guy, Ace from the Gang Green Gang, who just got busted over the head with a fire extinguisher and an- clearly concussed. <laughs> so concussed that instead of just running up there and gutting both these fools down, or shooting Jane while she's trying to put this weird seatbelt harness on. They just stand there. And then Janeway. Yes. Yes. No, don't you dare. Don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking take this shit from me, Peter. No, no, I will not be denied. So they come up. They stand behind a tree. They start shooting at them. Right. It's this giant fuck off metal glider thing right right in the middle how the fuck do you i understand maybe missing janeway but missing this giant fucking thing is unforgivably bad right and they're just like constantly you see like the little beam like boom 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 like janeway's not firing back janeway's not doing anything that these these fools wouldn't just be able to line up a shot at least hit the fucking glider but no they're just shooting at it and then janeway's like oh boy leo i guess we really have to use your stupid rickety goddamn thing that God only a holy hopes that you actually fucking built it right, or we're gonna fucking I'm gonna fucking die. Not you, because you're a computer software. You're gonna be fucking fine. My ass is gonna be dead though, and, and you know maybe the doctor can resurrect me. Who knows? But anyway, they said to get on it, and then for some reason, these two space criminals who are space criminals who have spaceships and lasers <laughs> and high technology, right? are like apparently awestruck at the fact that cartoon Leonardo da Vinci built a glider, right? And that Janeway and a hologram are cruising off into the air on this basic ass gliding machine, right? They're just like, oh, this is so mystical and magical. Look at them go. Like, you have spaceships. You have transporters. You have laser guns and computers that talk to you. You have you have everything. This is not impressive to you. This is not interesting. Yet they stand there and they don't shoot ag- again. There's no shot from a laser at them after the point they've decided to fly the goddamn flying machine. They're just like, wow, that's so amazing. And then they just wait and sit there until Voyager finally transfers. Like, Harry Kemp lackadaisically is like, well, I took the little thing, boss. We got him. Yay, we did it. Yay. Oh, my God. I don't play on this fucking show. Oh, my God. Ah! It's right up there with Scorpion when the alien ships are shooting board cubes and one-shotting them, and then they like put consecutive shots on Voyager, and Voyager just scoots off. You know, no harm done. Uh, 
<laughs> this I feel like I just I feel like it just took a shit, by the way. Like all of that energy leaving me. I feel like a refreshing Yeah. Poop. Well, uh, you know, this this piece of garbage, Scorpion, false prophets, some of the the biggest I don't even want to call them head scratchers, just catastrophic failures of plot. Um Again, let me let me break it down for you. This could have been an episode where the computer gets pulled out of Voyager and space criminals put a hologram and a holographic portable emitter. We could have gotten Seska back. And instead, we've got Janeway on a glider pulling a free willy over the wall and the bad guys just standing there dumbstruck instead of murdering her. Um, I hate this episode, Joe. This this was a terrible episode. This is going up on the hall of the wall of shame for sure. Do you have anything else you want to say or can we be done with this failure to resurrect Seska? What are we watching next week, Peter? Season four, episode 12. We're seeing. Uh, oh, I will also say to this episode that Janeway's hair looked a little bit better. I don't think that her haircut is growing on me. <laughs> I think that her haircut since Year of Fire has been. I'm sorry, Year of Hell has been so terrible that I don't know if she's just growing into it or they're they're learning how to brush her hair the right way, but it was markedly better. And I mentioned that because there's Janeway and what looks like some sort of, I don't know, cotton peasant shirt. There's Seven of Nine and uh, Mortal Coil. Neelix experiences a crisis of faith. When after being dead for nearly 19 hours, he is revived by seven of nine using her Borg technologies. Enter the pixie dust wars. This seems like another stupid episode. I don't like uh, religious. I'm sure I'm going to shock you by telling you that this is one of my favorite episodes of Voyager because it's about religion and spirituality and shit. I like this is the price. This is the uh, price of how good year of hell was is that the rest of these episodes are just going to be worse and worse and worse i think i think you're gonna like this one you're not gonna like it as much as me i already know that and i accept that but this is a good science fiction story and a good star trek story and yes it goes into my wheelhouse but i think that even if you're not into that it's a compelling enough drama that you'll you'll find i'll tell you what i like neelix i think Ethan Phillips has jumped on board a hundred percent. Anytime the writing room has given him anything to do to develop his character and grow it. I think that Neelix has been grossly underutilized this season. So I'm looking forward to a good Neelix story. Uh, What I think is interesting about Neelix too, is that he was like this guide guy up into the necritic expanse, at which point, They went past what he knew of space and really caused him to question his role in the ship. And since then, it almost feels like uh, in addition to taking the outsider role from Balana and Tom and Chakotay, she's also taken the Pathfinder role from Neelix because she has all this Borg info on the surrounding areas and she's an astrometric. So, uh, yeah, I'd say he definitely needs to find something new to do in the crew. And and hopefully we flesh that out a little bit in this upcoming episode. So yeah, this, uh, concerning flight was fucking terrible. I'm, I'm happy to put that behind us forever until we drag it out. I'm sure for uh, some weakest shit awards for season four. (laughs) I, I gotta say, uh, we might be early in season four, but, uh, the space muggers watching Janeway and, cartoon da vinci flying away uh awestruck at their renaissance era technology is gonna be a tough one i don't know man again working with the borg there's there's a lot of weak shit the the many faces of co-op that's not not weak okay that's not weak that is uh manifestly uh immoral and incompetent uh weak is just a wet species uh, eight four seven two's weapons not working on Voyager. That was I think weakest shit awards up for some some fierce debate this season. I think we'll see what happens. How do we talk about this for an hour, Joe? I I am mind boggled. Well, we talked about TNG porn for an inordinate amount of this hour. So oh, by the way, in our defense, vote for the TNG porn, please. 
I, we deserve it after watching this goddamn thing. I don't know what we've deserved. <laughs> any any wrong I've done in my life, I think I've now now paid yeah. for. And this has been Vijay Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant, and I've never felt that so intensely in my life. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>